pressing the relevant play buttons to listen to episode 9 of the Spool.ie podcast. This month we've got an action-packed three quarters of an hour with in-depth reviews of The Way Way Back, Elysium, The Conjuring and The Lone Ranger. We've also got the winners of our Jurassic Park competition and our preview picks for the month of September. I'm Nigel. Hi, I'm Porik. I'm Porik. As always, I nearly forgot to introduce us. Like yeah. our, our hundreds of new listeners may not have known who we were. Anyway, we'll start with something quite current for the time of year as we head back to school. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone, the Great Depression, passed the anyone, anyone, a tariff bill, the Hawley Smoot. Tariff Act, which anyone raised or lowered, raised tariffs in an effort to collect more revenue for the federal government. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? It did not work, and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Okay, so that was a clip from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and the reason we're talking about that is it's September, and although we're all in our late 20s, it's kind of back to school time. Traffic's gotten worse. It's going to start getting darker. Oh. So we thought we'd pick some uh, standout teachers. Yeah. teachers. Some of our you know. favourite teachers, headmasters, general school people. This is daft. If anyone's listening to this and they never went to school, then pretty sure we can contact the Department of Education and have you put back into some sort of a hedge school. Who was your first pick that you went uh, so following on from uh, John Hughes' film, I'm going to go with The Breakfast Club. And this is Paul Gleason who plays the principal, Richard Vernon. And if anyone is listening to this podcast and hasn't seen The Breakfast Club, you should probably turn it off. So I'm not really going to give it any intro. Here's the clip. You're not fooling anybody, Bender. The next screw that falls out is going to be you. What was that? Eat my shorts you just bought yourself another saturday mister oh, crushed you just bought one more right there well i'm free the saturday after that beyond that i'm gonna have to check my calendar good because it's going to be filled we'll keep going you want another one yeah so john hughes i kind of thought always had the look at teachers are kind of big kids almost and they don't really like the students like because you know there's like two types there's the really inspirational teacher Robin Williams Dead Poet Society type character who we're character. not having in this we no, thought too we obvious. would but it's far too obvious Spool is not about the obvious ones or then there's the kind of teachers who hate the kids and despise them and just are cutting down the days till they're finished which I think that was kind of an example of yeah and uh, to counterbalance and counteract that because that's what we're about uh, I've gone for um, Richard Griffiths who plays Hector in the uh, the History Boys a film I think from about 2005 uh, he died um, earlier this year, and you'd know him from uh, from this Harry Potter with Nail and I. He played um, Monty and with Nail and I. Yeah, and I think he's in um, he's in About Time, which is out in about a week or two. He has a little cameo, which I've probably ruined now. Um, oh, it was his last film, must have been. Must be his last film, yeah. So why I went for that one is because he's kind of a good guy, and we kind of decide you go for the bad guys, I go for the good guys. Um, but another person who. Um, is now one of my favourite people in the world who I've decided to go for is uh, Ryan Gosling. One of the first times I became aware of him, because I seem to miss The Notebook, because I guess I wasn't, you know, a sappy 29-year-old or 39-year-old woman back whenever Harsh. it came out in 2004. Have you seen The Notebook? No. And neither have I. Like, but I think it was and we probably across should the remi- board. Yeah, and I'd say we would like it if we watched it. Yeah, I feel like we'd probably end up kissing at the end and... You know, we don't really want that. Or crying. Could be our first cinema club movie. Maybe, notebook. Maybe so. Is that what we're trying to pitch things at? But uh, anyway, so um, I've got a clip here. This is uh, Ryan Gosling um, in Inspirational Teacher Mode playing Dan Dunn. And this was kind of Gosling's attempt at becoming a little bit more of a serious actor. And he ended up getting an Oscar nomination uh, for this. And uh, yeah, it's well worth digging out. So here's a clip. What is this machine that he's talking about? It's keeping us down. What is it? Like robots and stuff, right? Um, it could be robots. It could be robots, but I, let's say it's a metaphor. He's saying this machine is keeping me down. Now, what is that? What keeps us from being free? Miss Dre. Prisons. Absolutely. Absolutely prisons. 
Okay? Prisons are definitely a part of it. What else? White. White is definitely a part of it. The man. The school. The school. Exactly. The whole, the whole education system is part of the machine. What else? Aren't you the machine then? Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> What'd you say? Aren't you the machine? You're saying I'm the machine? Yeah, you white, you part of the school. Oh, yeah, I guess you got a point. <laughs> Yeah, so again, back to the negative, uh, we have a clip from Kess, which was written, uh, a novel written by Barry Hines originally, and it was called A Kestrel for a Knave. So Ken Loach directed the film, and it's brilliant. Ancient, right? 1970? Yeah. Really bleak film, it's about um, setting bands, like, <laughs> and uh, about kind of the bleakness, how all the kids are eventually going to end up down the mines digging coal and the boy um, what's his name Billy Casper uh, finds this kestrel brings it up and just kind of it's about his relationship how this thing of beauty and kind of brings him out of the doldrums of Barnsley but it's also concentrates a lot about his days at school so there's two really good scenes there's one where there's a football match with the PE teacher and the PE teacher gets involved in the football match but the clip that we're going to play is... We'll put both. Yeah, we'll put both of them up on the website, but the clip we're going to play now is the principal uh, giving out to the pupils who are messing and then gives them good old-fashioned canon. And so, until someone produces a better solution, I'll continue to use this cane, knowing fully well that you'll be back for it time and time and time again. You smokers will go out of here with your hands ringing. But will he stop you smoking? You're already looking forward to smoking a break? You lad, what are you grinning about? I'm not grinning, sir. You are? I bet you're already thinking about smoking a break. Empty your pockets. They're loaded with cigarettes. Come on, all of you, empty your pockets. Pull that rubbish away. And we can't finish our back to school segment with something like that. So it's very hard. Uh, so what we're going to wrap up with is a, a lovely um, little clip from uh, Matilda, the Danny DeVito film, uh, 1996. Uh, this was the Roald Dahl book, which I'm sure we all devoured as kids. Um, and I remember that I remember watching this film and being not disappointed, really, really liking it because I think it was uh, what was the other the witches I was really creeped out by. Yeah, that's terrifying. What's the other one? James and the Giant Peach. That was a bit... It was yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah, so until... I think... I have a feeling that Matilda was the only Roald Dahl adaptation that kind of worked for me until Wes Anderson there a couple of years ago did The Fantastic Mr. Fox, which was very good. Which also. is brilliant. Yeah. But... Um, Anyway, Matilda is a really, really cute film. A really, really uh, good one. There's the actress who played the teacher in it, um, M. Betts Davids... Or something like that. I have no idea where she went. Um, she probably looks a lot older now. She was in the Santa Claus remake movie, I think. The one with... The young girl? The guy from Jurassic Park. It all ties in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Richard Attenborough. The oh, the girl. girl. Yeah. yeah, oh, I don't know what. The, the girl is probably a born-again Christian or something. I, um, anyway, here's Matilda's first day in school. Matilda, you know how to multiply big numbers? I read this book last year in mathematics at the library. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. But lately I've been reading Dolls Dickens. Charles Dickens. I could read him every day. So could I. So that was the end of part one. We're now into our regular reviews territory. We've uh, picked out four films that we reckon we'll get a couple of couple of words out about. Um, so the first one is The Way Way Back, which you're going to talk about. Have you got a clip for it? Um, yeah, this is just with the main characters, um, Sam Rockwell and Liam James. Here we go. Lewis! Hook up my man Duncan here with one of our finest rentals, would you? Some kid threw up near crazy tubes. Sexy. Let's not try to impress them all at once, huh? That will not be a challenge. Lewis is kind of over this place. I told you I'm not long for here. No, I remember that conversation in 2003, 5, 11, April. 
Yes, sir, right? I can't eat that now because your dirty mouth's been on it. Germaphobe. I just told you there's some things I want to do. Prove it. Without thinking, Red Law 3, go! I've seen New Mexico, invent something, become a storm chaser. You had me until number three. I think you gotta go to school for that. Look, there's a storm. Where? Over there. Cool. Let's go get it. Got it. He actually is. He's been studying meteorology since preschool. Don't let the Dahmer glasses fool you. These don't have any mesh, so you're basically going commando. Watch sitting, your junk will fall out. Found that out the hard way at a birthday party. And like that, you're impressed and grossed out. Yeah, so that clip also um, included Jim Rash, who community fans will know as the Dean from Community. And he was the co-writer along with, um, I don't know if it's Nat or Nate. It's N-A-T. I think it's Nate. Nate um, Faxon. I have no idea though. Yeah, so they co-directed it's Nat, it. if we're being phonetic. And co- well, there's no e at the end. Co-directed and co-wrote. Co-wrote. Yeah. Uh, they both co-wrote the Descendants. So this is kind of their first foray into directing, and it's it's a brilliant kind of coming of age story that focuses on Duncan, who's played by Liam James, and his mum Tony Collette. His uh, her new boyfriend is Steve Carell, and they're going to his holiday home to. Summer. Yeah. Hang Summer on. as verb. Yeah. It's very rare that we get to use it, but uh yeah. So they're going there and Duncan's kinda lost. He's like the definition of awkward. And they've obviously kind of coloured him in grey. For the initial kind of like twenty minutes, half an hour. Um he gets totally kinda despondent, doesn't really know what he's at. Goes off one day on a bicycle and comes across this water park where he meets Sam Rockwell and then this is kind of the start of the whole film. Sam's fantastic kinda gives him back his confidence makes him see that he's not a loser and it just kind of all turns around from there so I only saw this last night and Nigel saw it this morning I saw it just now yeah literally an hour ago Brilliant. fresh in the memory and uh, yeah it was I, I so this was one of my um, at the beginning of the month we do a uh, pick, uh, kind of what's worth watching and this was kind of the last one that I had and it had done really well earlier in the year at Sundance and you kind of feel hopeful about these films when they say, you know, when you see things like Little Miss Sunshine, Juno, The Descendants, you kind of know you're going for sort of a sunny, hopefully happy, but kind of quirky, independent American yeah, feel, which is, thrown in. yeah, exactly, yeah. which is possibly my favourite genre of cinema when done properly. So yeah. very high hopes for it. And for me, it lived up immensely to them. I thought uh, The Kid was fantastic. Uh it's really funny as well and kind of sweet. There's the bit parts in it are fantastic. Like um, Alison, Al- Alison Janey, Janey is yeah. brilliant. She's fantastic. Her she's introduction bit outside at the yeah. at the car. It's like she's kind of doing like a sketch comedy thing as a slightly crazy, quirky, drunk yeah. mom. Where it's like, oh, I've only had one. <laughs> and her son Peter, who's got like a a lazy eye, who she constantly gives out to and makes fun of the lazy eye. He's yeah. actually fantastic in it. He only kind of comes into it in maybe the last half an hour, but he's brilliant. This is the kind of film that deserves to win one of these crappy Golden Globes for ensemble cast. Yeah. Because there's genuinely eight people, seven or eight people in it who are all... And Steve Carell's a dick. Yeah, it's good to see him playing a dick. He's a really good dick, isn't he? Yeah. He, um, we're not ruining anything, but his opening line in the film is, so what would you give yourself out of ten? And then the kid's kind of like, a six? And then... Steve's like I'd give you a three <laughs> and you're just like oh my this god this is the man effectively auditioning to be his stepfather yeah and so uh, he turns out to be like a guy with a really slightly shady wandering eye and a really uh, yeah really dodgy but um, it's great what I like lots of little subtle things as well like this for the two of them directing their first major thing like there's lots of really clever little things in it like they're when the family are having dinner um, there's next to no music they're sitting there a lot of in silence or kind of awkward conversation you know the, the board game and yeah. and they're sitting in the house and it's all grey and crap and then whenever they whenever he's at work at the water park it's all lovely kind of chirpy Hawaiian-y yeah. style guitar music and it's 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 really really good and I, I think if you go in wanting a nice happy yeah. solid enjoyable film I don't think there's any way you could not Fault take it. Like, something yeah, from it like it do, the negative thing or the only thing that you could question for me is like it's kind of predictable you can see when certain plot devices are going to happen and you know but they're handled well and they're done fine but so what exactly yeah. there's a certain amount of like also who are these people who can seemingly take a month or six weeks off to go yeah. away for the summer we don't know I don't think we know what they anyone does well, for a living well she's a, a caterer 
Because she claims make to be fun a caterer. Yeah, yeah, but, but we don't a... know what he does. Yeah. Or why he has this holiday home, because presumably he has another home somewhere else. But for me as well, it kind of really reminded me of The Graduate. At times, now I know he's a lot younger, he's only 14, but there is this kind of, and in some of the shots, I thought, especially the end, the starting shot, kind of, it's just very reminiscent of The Graduate. Mm. He is almost like an awkward kind of Dustin Hoffman. And it's kind of flipped, like in, in a coming of age thing, there's usually a kid who falls in love with the girl next door. And there is that kind of, but for me... the Literally, in this case, yeah, the girl next yeah. door. <laughs> so, but for me, the kind of, the girl that he's fighting for is, is his mum, but not in a weird way, because he's kind of like trying to get her to realise the guy she's with is an asshole and she needs yeah. to come back and hang out with him, kind of, you know, yeah. like that she's, that's the person he's fighting for. Yeah, and it's a very American film as well. Like we talk about the summer, the idea of going away for summer, where it's somewhere where it's always sunny. But even stuff like the broken family, yeah, like there's stuff in it, and yet you can like it's it's not a very it's kind of like the Jawsy as well. The initial thing when they drive up, it's very like oh, they're in Amityville. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So no, a big a big winner. What do you give it out of five? What I went for the solid five. A solid five. So you don't know what I'm going to give it. I'm no. also going to give it a five. Brilliant. We had a conversation this morning, the two of us on Google Chat, where Porik was slagging me, saying... Well, I was just highlighting the fact that you never give anything five. The last two films Nigel gave five were Amor and Argo, Argo in November of last year. Yeah, in terms of published reviews. Yeah. That's what I told you. But that. you've given about ten films four and a half. And I'm like, suck it up and give something five. Yeah, well, that's a, that's the thing. Like with anything like Francis Ha last month, I absolutely loved. But I just kind of it fell apart a little bit at the end. Yeah. Whereas with this, I was happy to give it the five. So, Perfect. yay. Woo. We should have a little <laughs> da, 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 <laughs> on something that where we agree. Um, anyway, next up in our in our uh, clip set is uh, Elysium, which uh, is a film by the director, South African director, Neil Blomkamp who came to uh, prominence a couple of years ago, District 9, and everyone kind of loved that. And we're like, who the hell is this guy? Where did this film come from? And it was kind of weird. And everyone thought it was this tiny independent picture, but it had actually been, you know, marketed for the best part of a year at Comic-Con. And it was all very clever the way they made people think that this was a tiny little picture. And while it had quite a low budget, actually, when it was bought by a studio and marketed, it actually was done really, really well. But the, um, the end film was phenomenal, uh, brilliant. It actually... It's without going too weird on things. It actually said a little bit about like race relations in South Africa and the way you know segregation isn't yeah. really the answer and all that. So it was weird. It was kind of a lot of films in one for me as well. It's kind of if you haven't seen it, not to give too much away. It's like a it's a mockumentary, then it's a buddy cop movie, and then it's a weird and just a sci-fi thing action, as well. Action, sci-fi yeah. Type thing, yeah. It's a fantastic film. And um, what was the main actor's name? Sorry, you might have said. Uh, Charlton Copley. Yeah, Charlton. He Copley. played the main actor yeah. in District Nine, and he crops up again here playing a psycho. At least he played. Yeah. So in this, anyway, you can. This has been out about two weeks, so um, who cares if I ruin it? But uh, Matt Damon plays this guy uh, who works for um a, a big corporation, some sort of ammunitions. Um, it's something like am am corp or something. Robots, basically. Yeah, making robots. This is set about 150 years in the future in LA, which kind of looks a bit more like South what Africa. we would visualize. Yeah, I kind of thought Brazil. I sort of thought that the way the f- like the weird street things were a bit. Uh, yeah. A bit like that, but yeah, as as in, it's much more rundown than the LA that we know, and this is because the LA that we kind of know of, like Hollywood and the Hills and Beverly Hills, has now moved into space. So uh, it looks fantastic. The space, it's kind of reminiscent of 2001. Yeah, the big dome. The mm. Yeah, I really liked it. And so I like the way that they didn't have to dock and then go in. They just go into the atmosphere. And I was kind of like, how is that? I don't understand that. But it was good. It yeah, looks fantastic yeah. as, as all those films do. Yeah. So that was the um, that, that was the thing. Anyway, he works for this company and then he gets into a radiation accident and um, he is sort of has to go and get implants into his brain in order to um, in order to do uh, in order to get uh, what do you call it in order to get this information to he has to get implants in his brain in his brain gets information that can then 
be used by terrorist people who will yeah there's a guy on earth who's kind of is the fixer dude he's like a mixture of Che Guevara and Al Pacino yeah in one when you're watching it and uh, he gets him to do this because the whole point is to get to Elysium because they have these magical medical bed things that you just lie down on and it goes ingrown toenail repair yes please and your ingrown toenail is repaired it'd be lovely you could probably get that for your gout you know be great um anyway so uh, matt damon's very very good in it um i thought anyway uh there's a few things wrong with it so it was a little bit of a disappointment in some ways jodie foster we're not even going to mention she is terrible yeah like she so there has been talk that her accent was overdubbed and that she was going for something different and that then they realize we have no idea what she's saying because so when she speaks french it's fine it's perfect but then she because yeah. she's playing like a french character and it, and then she goes into English, but she's all, oh, it's just, it's all over the place. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, so that doesn't really work. She plays this kind of conniving political... Ministry of Defence, classic... Ministry of Defence, up I'm, in space. Yeah, I'm, and I'll, I'll do everything to defend our homeland. Yeah, yeah. and so it, bits of that doesn't really work, but as a cheesy kind of action movie, it, it does... It looks very good. Yeah. Uh, it's a solid enough story. It's really reminiscent. Like, there's a lot of sci-fi things in there, I think. You kind of, the nod to 2001 with the spaceship. It kind of reminded me, like, of the original Total Recall. Yes. And what the remake of Total Recall should have been. Was trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's better. It's better than that. It yeah. is memorable. Like, I sat down in a bookshop um, two weeks ago and read for about 35 minutes. I read, you know, those big hardback book that, books that no one ever buys about films? Yeah. You know, the art of Iron Man. And they look great when you look at a few pictures on the web, but then who the hell is going to you know spend 40 or 50 quid so I sat down in a bookshop and kind of flicked through the whole thing and you get a sense of the amount of thought that goes in like there's a brilliant bit in a parole office early on where he's speaking to this automated thing and dummy, they talked yeah. about um, it was someone's job for a month to build this dummy robot and uh, they had to re uh, which oper- was like a, the equivalent of now if we went to update our parking in Dublin City Council um, you get some gobshite on the other side saying well have you got this form do you have this form where's your licence so basically a robot and so in the future they have actual robots for that shit so um, but anyway they, they did this thing and it really stuck with me where they went and um, got samples of those amusement things that exist outside um, in supermarket the things you know those crappy things where like you hop big. on yeah exactly okay. and you hop on a zebra and it's this weird glazed fiberglass thing and so they got samples of that stuff and tried to mirror that as a real beat up thing and it was just one thing that struck with me as with these big films that so much thought and everything goes into it like they employ mm. that's why they cost so much because you're watching it at times they use lots of these like uh, spaceship hovercraft things and you're kind of mm. watching it you're like I don't know if that's CGI or if that's real. So that's that exactly yeah. be real. Exactly, and that's exactly what he did. That he made, he used, uh, he worked with the Weta people, um, you know who did the Lord of the Rings and our good friend Richard Taylor. If anyone's ever watched the Lord of the Rings DVDs, features. Uh, Richard Taylor is the geekiest man in the world. Yeah. He he's he possibly is the most exciting job in the world, and yet he makes somehow it sound the most so geeky. boring man. Yeah, <laughs> but um, anyway, so built all these real world. Uh, figures and robotic creatures and everything but then also had them in CGI as well mm. so like the best of both worlds and to my eyes I saw this on a did you see it in the big IMAX no you saw no I didn't see it in IMAX either yeah. producer Colin IMAX yeah it gets a nod so it, it, it's it, mm. yeah um, so this is definitely worth seeing this is yeah. not a film that you want to see on your phone no put aside don't, the story like, falls down a bit towards the end it gets a bit too predictable and they're kind of bashing you over the head with the metaphor of like oh, rich yeah, and health and healthcare and everything and it just didn't really and they have that music where it's really dramatic it's like a a, a black African woman singing really dramatically <laughs> as something happens in slow motion and you're like no come on Gladiator yeah. was 20 years ago yeah so there's a few missteps but um, it'll be interesting to see it, it's taken what five years I think since and District it's nice because it's an original blockbuster idea it's not a remake exactly. it's not a franchise that's why we love Pacific Rim so much it's why we give it a little bit more leeway <laughs> let's put it that way um, anyway Elysium what were you going out of five for Elysium uh, three I think solid three three and I think I said four, four. Yeah. yeah Uh, so next up uh, The Conjuring do you want to have a clip actually from The Conjuring yeah here's some scary stuff there's someone standing over there I, I don't see anyone it's looking right at us 
Nancy, don't. Nancy. No, no, look. Look. Look, there's no one. There's no one here. See? Ugh. It's that smell again. Oh, my God. It's standing right behind you. And there is, in oh, fact, a little bit creepy. Uh, something is behind that door. Um, yeah, so this is Conjuring. Uh, it's from director James Wan, who people will know directed Saw and Insidious. And he's lined up to direct Insidious 2 and Nigel's favourite franchise, Fast and the Furious 7. Is it the same? He's the director, James Wan. He's signed up for oh, 7. brilliant. There you go. Um, yeah, so it's basically, it's based on a true story. True Ish. story. Ish. Because yeah. they've all kind of said someone has written down a story at some point in the past and said, "Here's a story." But yeah. is that true? What What is no, the story? No. I didn't read much about that. So it's Ed and Lorraine uh, Warren who are paranormal investigators, and they did actually they're real. That was back in the seventies, and the Amityville Horror was one of their cases. Oh. And this is another one. And um, Ed has passed away, but Lorraine is still alive because I saw her in some of the promo material for it. So basically they're paranormal activity investigators investigate cases all around the country and then um, Roger and Caroline have moved into a new house it's with their kids and they soon realise once they discover that it's got a basement uh, that they need to move out and it's haunted um, so they get in touch with um, the Warrens to help make them come to the house sort it all out and then we discover what has actually gone on in the house in the past it's got a very dark bleak history and it just kind of all kicks off from there mm. yeah it is um <clears throat> it was weird because it made ridiculous amounts of money um for like and has been so popular as a horror film began but we're not getting a lot of these big kind of mainstream horrors that are anyway decent you know yeah it's the best one like the guy did Insidious and for me it's the best one since Insidious like I didn't think Mama was much to write home about your next came out today we haven't seen that yet so that yeah. might be decent it has been two years and it premiered two years ago your next and yeah it's finally made oh, it oh that doesn't bode well well uh, yeah no I think it is meant to be phenomenal they just couldn't get it uh, together to get it released but um, yeah. so it's very much of its ear like it's kind of set in the 70s and the 70s you had the exorcist don't look now the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Carrie the Omen and Halloween yeah so it very much plays into all those it's very even the the opening titles the I opening titles, were titles. <laughs> we're just bringing <laughs> all this is one chord on an organ yeah and then a yellow kind of serif font just kind of and the country is written it's, it's all you need it's brilliant. yeah uh, the acting is very solid and he has that um, technique again because whenever you're watching something you're pretty scared and then people want to laugh as well to kind of get rid of the nervous tension and he introduces the cop character and, and a helper and they're kind of the comic relief for the film so when they do something stupid you can get a big laugh out of that to get rid of it all and then you're back into scare mode yeah yeah no so it is good I mean there's nothing new in it if you were to throw a bit of criticism there's absolutely nothing original or new but the fact that there was no you know need for found footage or no kind of Torture element. Torture, yeah. It was just kind of good old-fashioned creepiness, so that kind of wins it over for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have it written down here. It's made $220 million at the box office, so I think that's one of the highest-grossing uh, horror films in a long time. So, well done to them. Yeah. Kind of is really setting out a stall as being a horror master of the future. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Wan. So, why is he doing Fast and the Furious 7? I don't know. Why no not? No one else would. No, it was, uh, Justin Lin, who did the other ones, was very uh, kind of popular. But maybe they, I don't know. Anyway, next one. Next up, yeah. So here's a funny one. We haven't actually written a um, a review of uh, a review of of this yet. And so this is a film that everyone and their dog decided to say was going to be shit. And then when it did come out, they were like, "Oh, it's fear shit altogether." But yeah. um, and some people were like, "Well, it's not that bad." Yeah. So this is The Lone Ranger, the Gore Verbinski film, which uh, came out about three weeks ago. We had a like we I was away for a week. We just took a week or two where we didn't really review stuff. So it kind of slipped through the cracks a bit. But we've both since caught up on stuff and seen it. And um, 
Yeah. It's fantastic. It's a brilliant... <laughs> uh, and I'm really disappointed that I think it's fantastic as well. I thought yeah. this would have been a really good um, opportunity to, um, to Jump on the you. bandwagon and... Yeah, I know, I know. ...rag on it. Um, yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's... I, I was saying it's not even so much... Like, it is a Western, whatever, but that kind of gives it more weight than it's due. It's just kind of like a cowboy and Indian film where it's... Um, Good versus evil. Um, Johnny Depp plays uh, Tonto, and who plays Army the Hammer? Plays the Lone Ranger. Yeah. So he's kind of perfect as it because he's kind of the good, clean boy, and uh, Johnny Depp. Good, good solid jaw on him. Yeah. That's what I realized during that film, I was like, yeah, good jaw. And Johnny Depp is the weird kind of spaced out Tonto who is just hell bent on revenge and wanting to kill the people that did him over. Mm. And there is like I didn't I don't know there's a couple of twists in it that I didn't see coming because I was just kind of so engrossed in it. But when you look back at them, they're really obvious twists. But yeah, I didn't like see them coming why I all. enjoy it. and I mean I don't think it's a masterpiece. You can still we're talking about it like a three and a half four maybe is where I'm coming at. It's but considering everyone is like no this is garbage it's yeah. absolutely crap. It's apparently two and a half hours. I only saw that now oh. and that I saw this after nine o'clock one evening and I usually fall asleep. Yeah, but um, it kind of yeah me and. Colin went to see this in IMAX and it looked fantastic the whole because I think you pointed out to me um, for the recent Superman film they don't even have the Superman music in it mm. whereas The Lone Ranger it's all about the William Tell Overture and half of the movie is building up to the William Tell Overture and when it kicks in it's The Lone Ranger on uh, Tonto um, on a train yeah on like doing a high uh doing a whatever thing and then the music really? the equivalent of yeah. a wheelie on a horse What's and then the called? music kicks in and it all kicks off and I felt like a child watching it. I felt like a six yeah. year old just watching it on this massive screen I was like being so this is amazing this is the thing like I would love to um, sorry the Lone Ranger was not on Tonto he was on uh, his horse Silver Silver yes that's <laughs> Army Hammer not riding Johnny Depp just to clarify yeah um, yeah I would like to have kind of picked up some some 10 year old kids or some 11 year old kids like cousins or something and brought them to this just to kind of see if it worked on that level because I think this would have I would have loved this completely yeah. if and I if was younger and if your dad is over 50 I'd say he'd love this as well well there's the question that I was wondering about like does anyone actually remember of our generation even we know what the Lone Ranger is but only in this weird retro thing yeah I think but I you, might have seen a black and white episode on like channel 4 maybe you, but and you grew up in a weird house so like <laughs> the rest of us would barely even know what it is so I think the problem was that Disney spent all this money on a film where they thought oh this amazing character let's bring it to the big screen but this was all suits in their 50s 60s and 70s who didn't realise that oh wait no one else knows who who this is maybe we should just fund an animated One Direction film and it's pretty um, close to I think I don't know if it was 12s or 12s or whatever but like there's like cannibalism there's it's a weird dark, yeah. the posse of the bad guys are very much like a kind of light Cormac McCarthy Blood Meridian mm. posse you know like one of them's a cross dressing transvestite who's a bit scary and there's other kind of really evil characters in it and um, yeah it's very very entertaining yeah, and um, William Fichtner, who was in Prison Break and The Dark Knight and a few things like that, who he plays Butch Cavendish, I think the bad guy. Um, he's also in Elysium, so he's that yeah. random guy who gets to be in two films within a week of each other, and no one really talks about him. But very, he's good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's something that just I I you don't believe everything you read when everyone says these films are going to be crap so I actually think Disney might be on a bit of a roll because they did John Carter last year which had the exact same thing of everyone saying this is going to really suck and um, well no most people did stand by that when it came out yeah and they well you didn't was, I liked it <laughs> yeah I didn't see it so I oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. okay yeah and same with World War Z you know these things that sometimes when they go back and stuff is gesticulating for a long time then maybe when stuff comes back it's actually going to come back pretty good or we've terrible taste who knows maybe, I don't maybe the way way back is a big piece of sentimental crap um, anyway there are the four films did you see anything else uh, this this month that kind of caught your eye my one anyway was um, a film that came out last weekend What Maisie Knew which uh, really I knew very little about it which was um, a small small enough film about this girl um, and her parents splitting up and then getting with new people and uh, Steve Coogan is in it Julianne Moore 
Alexander Sarsgaard. So really, 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 really strong cast. Um, but it's all told from what the girl sees, what Maisie. So what Maisie knew. The title ah. is kind of in 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 her. So it's always her perspective. We never see any of the adults having so conversations kind of like, uh, when she's not within the vicinity of. So it's like Kramer versus Kramer from the kids' exactly, point of view. Exactly. So it's really like that. And Julianne Moore and uh, Steve Coogan are both absolute dickheads in their own way. And their daughter, ultimately, yeah, it, the way it turns out is almost a bit contrived. Spoiler. No, it's not. I'm not, I'm not going with a spoiler, but let's just say that the kid ends up happy. And you're kind of like, what, what are you... That's a total spoiler. I'm going to watch I the first 15 minutes and be like, oh, right, well, she ends with the dad because that would make her happy. Okay, yeah, good. Stick with that. <laughs> oh, so she ends up with the mum? Who says? Who says she has to end up with anyone? Anyway, it's it. the way it turns out is really, really clever. I love um, Steve Coogan and Julianne Moore as people more than anything. I wish they were my parents and I, they'd be good parents to me. Um, anything else of note? Yeah, we kind of talked about this last month when we were at the Golden Boy Film Club. We were lucky to see uh, Upstream Colour. And it's by Shane Curry, who did Primer. And uh, he's kind of taken it easy, this one. He's only starred in it, directed it, acted in it, did the music for it. What else did he do? Edited. Edited it. Score. Produced it. Um, yeah, it's mental. Um, it's been a month since I've seen it. Can't really, you know, describe. I had it kind of on the tip of my tongue the last time but it's well worth a look I give it like four and a half stars out of five and a lot of that is just because of the mental mind experience and the scenery in it and it's it's yeah. a very I think if you watch it a couple of times you'll get the the story laid as down. well as he will let you yeah get it. well worth a look from what's out this weekend you know go see that yeah and um, after the way way back and the Lone Ranger that will only be around for another little while yeah um, anyway, a movie moment of the month for me was um, from the very stupid film Paul Feig's Feig's F E I G. I can never pronounce his name. Feigus? The guy who did no, he's the guy who did Bridesmaids. Anyway, um, The Heat, which uh, was an okay kind of a film, perfectly daft, brainless entertainment for um, a weekday evening. That's pretty much what should go on the poster. Yeah, I haven't caught it yet, but a lot of people said there's a lot yeah. of swearing in it. There work, is though? a lot of swearing. Um, Sandra Bullock is probably better. The Melissa McCarthy thing, it's a conversation for another day, but it's starting to wear thin. I have huge admiration for her, but she is starting to let herself get really kind of typecast. typecast and pigeonholed in on these kind of roles where she's this angry, heavy lady. Like, you know, yeah. she can. she's so much better than that. Like, Because um, she is a phenomenal comedian. And um, anyway, like, this is great, but she plays kind of the same weird character that she does in she did it in The Hangover earlier this year um, what was she in Bridesmaids maybe. even in Bridesmaids and then she was in something else where she pretty much did the same thing can't even remember what it was called oh Jason Bateman was in it yeah what was he that impersonated called? her yeah the who knows that's how memorable it was I didn't see that one though um, anyway the moment in it is um, are you going to see this no Oh, good, because um, there's a revelation uh, midway through. I don't care. This has been out for three weeks. But one of my favorite uh, sketch uh, comedians, Taram Kilam, is his name. And he's on Saturday Night Live. And he's in it in this tiny bit thing. But then it's revealed that he's kind of a much bigger player in the story. And I just kind of had this kind of fanboy moment where I'm like, yes, he's finally making it as an actor. So he started on Saturday Night Live two years ago. And pretty much their whole cast has left. So Fred Armisen is gone. Uh, Thingy Majiggy who's in uh, We're the Millers uh, Jason Sudeikis that's his name is gone uh, Bill Hader is gone this summer as well so like pretty much the entire main and it could t- last year Will Forte left um, Seth Myers is leaving the guy who does Weekend Update is going to take over from Jimmy Fallon so pretty much all the males are leaving um, Saturday Night Live so it's left to guys like um, Taram to kind of step up and be the fr- the main the, new the franchise exactly and so um, it was brilliant so he, he does very little and then at the end he gets this kind of huge ah moment and I kind of just freaked out so that was literally a movie moment so a pretty average film with one or two awesome bits there's also an albino in it and not enough of them around uh, did you have a movie moment yeah it's going to come from Only God Forgives we kind of talked enough about this and you can read the review on the website so um, it's just it's a spoiler alert kind of so if you haven't seen it maybe close your ears it's been a for month I don't seconds. know if anyone could see it now could they? Uh, 
Maybe they could. Anyway, so it's when Ryan Gosling has some major mother issues with his mum, Christian Scott Thomas. And at one point, uh, he stabs her with a knife and sticks his hand inside her. Um, so it's pretty terrifying and shocking and something you don't really see every day on a film. Nor should you. Um, but yeah, that's my movie moment of the month. Right, and that wraps up part two. So we all know what that music is, that's uh, John Williams' score for Jurassic Park. Uh, the film is 20 years old um, this year, it came out, um, it, it, it is out right now playing in a couple of cinemas around the country, um, it's playing in the IMAX in Cineworld in Dublin for the next week or two I think anyway, um, it's only playing in the afternoon, it and Elysium are kind of fighting. For, the, uh, for that big screen and uh, so if you can see it it's well worth seeing that um, it's a decent enough film that's why we're talking about it here um, and what we did last month we did a little bit of a recap of uh, stuff from 2003 just for the crack because it's summertime and we don't know what else to talk yeah, about yeah ten year block and so uh, yeah and so then as part of that though we said why not kind of give us a shout about stuff from uh, 20 years ago which was indeed the Jurassic Park year so what we wanted was people's memories of seeing the film for the first time so we had uh, lots with of people with a chance to win a spool mug exactly sorry with the whole point being we're not just you know freeloading your content yeah we, and the thing being that the winner will win a spool uh, mug which are pretty coveted they're only three in, um, circulation. in circulation and so this will now be number four we could start numbering them yeah. underneath in permanent marker but uh, we've got a few of the best ones here in front of us do you want to start off reading one there? Uh, yeah so we got a lot of entries in and uh, this is just a selection of some of them so this one is from David McDonald uh, my earliest and probably most memorable cinema experience it was the summer of 93 and I was in holidays in Kerry with my family dinosaurs were all the rage i went to see jurassic park with my dad and two older brothers a very tall man sat in front of me so i had to sit in my dad's lap for the entire film uh, he was glad that he did because during the scene where the raptors in the kitchen scared him and still to this day whenever i hear that john williams theme tune it's helicopters raptor claws mosquitoes in amber and jeeps in the mud and ripples in a water cup and I'm back sitting on my dad's knee in that cinema in Tralee, terrified and thrilled like never before. Touching. Uh, I've got one here from Sarah Buckley. Uh, her memory is very simple. It's always wanting to eat that big glob of golden syrup that Richard Attenborough carried around on his walking stick. I was five. Sweet. You do always wonder about the science of it. I still think it's going to happen, you know. 65 yeah. years in the making. Uh, we have another one here from Bridget Colton. Uh, Port Leash Cinema was never a world beater, but back in 93 to nine-year-old me, it sure felt like one. With its two screens, double seats, and interval tuck shop, it was a portal to another world, albeit with the musty smell of a teenage boy's trainers. It was the first film myself and brother were allowed to go to alone. We felt so grown up, totally mesmerised by the action. What a movie. I still look at it every time now and then think how well it's aged, unlike myself. I'm looking forward to it in 3D and I'll try and bring my brother along. Cool. And we're, and just, we're going to put the full version of most of these recollections up on the uh, on the podcast uh, page. So you go to spool.ie over on the right, there'll be a little podcast link. Um, there was a good long one here from Alan Smith and... Uh, in it, uh, he talks about how the, the fact he wasn't actually allowed to see it initially, so it took him ages. Um, and but then at the end, he says that eventually he kind of plucked up the courage, and his parents kind of let him go and see it. And uh, he said, at this stage, I'd read several children's versions of the story, and the plot had very few surprises left. But I can still remember listening to the screams and tasers in that opening scene as the raptors were unloaded, and that poor chap getting dragged up and down through the gate all the time unaware that there wasn't anything scarier on the screen than a few rustling bushes and a very loud man in a cowboy hat. True. So before we started the podcast, we got uh, an independent adjudicator by the name of Colin uh, to mix all the answers up and put them in a hat. And this is the one he picked out as the winning entry. 
Uh, and it comes from Michael Higgins. Uh, I stood in a queue for about an hour with a couple of friends. I left the film a little bored and wondering what all the fuss was about. Being only 11, I couldn't figure it out, so I pretended and told people I liked it. Awesome. <laughs> and then we'll just wrap up with a quick clip. Uh, one of our Facebook followers, Michal, uh, contacted us and just uh, with two words, clever girl. Here's a clip. So uh, we're going to round up with our look ahead to next month and each pick a favourite film. You can check the website out in a day or two and Nigel will have his annual monthly by fortnight. I'm very regular. It's every 28 days. Controlled by the moon. Brilliant. Uh, so I put the trailer up for this a week or two ago and it's called Ain't Them Body Saints by David Lowry. And it's uh, set in Texas Hill Country during the 70s with uh, enigmatic timeless quality or so the IFI booklet tells me so Rooney Murray and KSC Affleck are starring in it and ba- Batman's uh, brother Batman's brother yeah so it looks fantastic uh, period piece kind of drawn comparisons to Terrence Malick but good Terrence Malick not Terrence Malick of late Badlands Terrence Malick yeah, yeah. not to the wonder Terrence Malick no and Casey Affleck's always brilliant when he acts. Yeah, and he did do the ridiculous Joaquin Phoenix documentary that time. The less said about that, the better. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the Batman thing, by the way? I don't mind. I think people need to remember how they reacted when Heath Ledger was uh, flagged for the Joker. Yeah, everyone's like, why is this guy from Neighbours and A Knight's Tale? Yeah. It's a different take. I think by doing this Batman and Superman thing, I don't really know too much, but like I watched the... Um, a Dar- the Dark Knight uh, Returns which is this animated thing where which is based on the Frank Miller book where the two of them uh, are together Batman yeah. and Superman and Batman is really old he's about 55 and he's kind of beaten up and he's like retired and ready to die and like he's just kind of like it's it's toward the end of his career and then Superman works for the government really clean cut guy and, and the two of them kind of fight and it is really cool but it's a really old weak grisly um, Batman and I actually think Ben Affleck could do that um, he has to keep the beard I think yeah I kind of would like to see him just stick to directing instead of going back to yeah. acting because there was rumours as well that he was going to adapt uh, The Stand the Stephen King novel and turn it into like a Lord of the Rings trilogy type yeah. thing I would like to think this is only for one film and it'll be like it is a Superman sequel yeah, it's where not Batman, Batman is only going to yeah. show up but for marketing purposes anyway um We'll have plenty of time to talk about that because it's out in three years, <laughs> two years probably. Yeah, your pick. Yeah, so my pick for the uh, month is Blue Jasmine, the new Woody Allen film. Which um, every time he releases a film these days, it seems to make more money than the last one. Like he's getting more popular. So I think his like his kind of method of just having this war of attrition of gradually, you know, putting out a film every year and gradually everyone will eventually turn around and watch them. Yeah, and start because <laughs> um, like he does like actually my whole theory is broken because to roam with love was really bad. Did you I thought it? it was okay. You liked it, yeah. yeah okay, but anyway, he he has this thing like Clockwork. He puts out a film every year and two films almost now. Well, because there's another one in the pipeline that he's starring in. I think I saw a bit of a trailer for it. And then there's the one where is Louis C.K. is in this. I think. Um, anyway, yeah. Blue Jasmine, Kate Blanchett, and Alec Baldwin, Sally Hawkins, and Bobby Cannavale. The four of them are in it, and um, sort of an update of Streetcar, Streetcar Named, Named Desire, Desire, right? Desire. Isn't that what you? I, yeah, and so um, that's what they're saying across the pond. That's what they're saying. So some of the best reviews he's gotten like in a really really long time and making huge huge loads of money and uh, it's going to be great the money tonight. box office that's where it's at well it is kind of important because that's what defines success in this business unfortunately um, but and because uh, it is the meter for that anyway it's out September 27th when when was uh, Ain't Them Body Saints 6th I think yeah we'll have a look yeah the 6th of September cool so two to look out for and we will wrap up just with a little uh, final uh, thing called what were we going to call it? S- seen it? Seen it? Or yeah. Seen again? I don't know. Who knows? Answers in a tweet, please. Um, for now, we're going to call it uh, "Seen it," but that's scene with the C. And so, uh, what we're doing is we're just going to pick a scene from a film, a film that we really like, and um, it's that's in some way relevant. Exactly. So, on that same day that Blue Jasmine is out, a new print, a new extended version 
with a new print of Robin Hardy's The Wicker Man. It's coming out. So this film is 40 years old, which is mental. I first saw it maybe 10 or 11 years ago and was incredibly creeped out and didn't really... Yeah, I managed to get to see it without knowing the end and, or anything about it. Yeah, which I think now would be a lot harder. Like, I'd love to poll people, whoever goes in to see this on the 27th, who doesn't really know what's going to happen. And we had that amazing remake with Nicolas Cage as well, lest we forget. Let's <laughs> side about that. Yeah, um... So anyway, the wicker man, here's a scene uh, and it's uh, the landlord's daughter. So uh, it's hilarious. Um, Edward Woodward, who plays Sergeant Howie, goes into the local tavern, if you like. Yeah. And he already knows this village. He's looking for this missing girl. And yet everyone is really, really happy and chirpy. And he has no idea why. And so he goes, this is where his lodgings are. So he's gone in to get a quiet drink. And then he realizes that they're all batshit crazy. And um, so enjoy this. We'll uh, We'll see you next month. Bye bye. Show the sergeant to his room, would you? Much has been said of the strumpets of yore. Oh, when she sent for the house queens by the score. But I sing all the baggage that we all adore. The landlord's daughter, you'll never love another. Although she's not the kind of girl to take home to your mother. <laughs> is lively and strong to the taste. It is brought with discretion, never with haste. You can have all you like if you swear not to waste. The landlord's daughter, and when her name is mentioned, the parts of every gentleman do stand up at attention. <laughs> Lies between her left toe and her right toe. <laughs> I'd like my supper now, please. It won't be long, Sergeant. Oh, you don't want to let them worry you. Why don't you have a wee drink? No, thank you, not just now. I think you all ought to know that I am here on official business. I am here to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. As doubtless the harbour master's already told you by now. There's the girl. Her name is Rowan Morrison. Would you pass that among your customers, please? Now, if any of you can give me any ideas to her whereabouts, I'd be most grateful if you'd let me know. That's a real 